0: Joy can override the worries and depression. Here are your hosts, Carmen Nazario and Josh Carter. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Veteran Founder Podcast. It's Friday at 1 p.m. on the West Coast, and we're excited you're here. If you've never been here before, welcome. I am your host, as I mentioned. Uh, And every week, we bring in these remarkable, amazing founders that just happen to have a great and incredible background in the military. And this week, we have a returning guest, Gerald Pygott from PSC Marketing Group. Welcome to the program. Welcome back to the program, Gerald. Yeah, thank
1: you, Josh. Glad to be
0: here. Yeah, I'm really excited you're here. Uh, you know, just to kind of catch everybody up, the people that haven't heard you before, why don't we give a little bit of background of, about your military background and, and what led you into the military?
1: Well, I went into the military um, back in the mid-70s, not by any choice of my own. My uh, stepfather at the time thought it was the thing I needed to do to make a man out of me. And then after boot camp, I went and did about seven months uh, POW MIA recon in Vietnam. Oh, my. And uh, I've got some stories to tell about that for another time. Sure. And then after uh, I got my um, replacement in the Delta, I was transferred to Hawaii. And I'm thinking, going, man, I really got this. I'm going to Hawaii now. Grass skirts, hula girls. Life is really good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the navy has a sense of humor, and I think you were in the navy too, Josh. I you? was. Yes, yeah. I was. And uh so when I piped aboard ship, I found out I was on duty oiler and we were leaving the next morning for 9 months out at this out at sea. Mhm. I didn't see Hawaii for almost 10 months.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's pretty funny. Yeah, Hawaii's. Uh, you know, when I went through the uh, through boot camp, I went through in Great Lakes, Illinois, and um, my mo or my MOS, as as uh, people in the Army call it, or my my rating was I was I wanted to be um, an illustrated draftsman, and they don't have an illustrated draftsman school in the Navy. You just sort of have to you have to interview or what they call in the Navy this, you strike into it, and so instead of my recruiter putting in me into something very easy so that I could spend a lot of time working on my portfolio to get into the Draftsman. He just put me in a deck. And so in Great Lakes, Illinois, you go, after you go through your basic, you go through like a sort of enhanced basic, which is basically just getting you ready for shipboard life for a few weeks. And right. uh, we get our orders and I get past Cagula, Mississippi. If you're scratching your head, wondering where that is, that's the right thing. That's the right reaction. Um, <laughs> but one of them, one of the folks uh, that, one of the guys in my, he ah, got uh pearl harbor he got tour guide at pearl harbor oh so like, man I don't know what senator's son you are to get that but i i couldn't believe it. three years and he did tour guide at uh, at pearl harbor couldn't believe it unbelievable
1: yeah when i went in i uh, you know did that famous asfab test yeah. and i scored incredibly high that i had my choice of a school's Nice. So I decided to become a CB.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, and that's part of the reason why I wound up in Nam because I could fix just about anything or build anything. Yeah. And so I was fixing ships that got shot up on a regular
0: basis. And we should tell our listeners that CB is just a uh, short for Construction Battalion. That is CDs. correct. And the way they actually spell it is C S E A B E E S, but the the real acronym is C and B, and it's construction Anyway, sorry, Gerald. That's correct, Josh. So
1: um, one of the reasons I wound up going to Pearl Harbor was that uh, there was a choice of duty, and there was a twenty thousand dollar enlistment bonus. Oh my. If I was willing to cross over, and I said, what is it, the rate that you want me to cross over into, or an MOS if you prefer? And they said, we don't have enough hull technicians, and basically a hull technician is a CB that goes to sea. Which ships were you on? I was on the USS AO-148 for my entire naval career
0: after that. Oh, wow. And where did you end up going uh, on that on that ship? Oh, we did
1: uh like five West when I was in, so I went to Hong Kong, Subic Bay I was in Thailand I was in Australia. I was around the whole pacific rim
0: i'm I'm very jealous. I was the Atlantic so we didn't get any West We always got the met, so I'm very jealous i I didn't get to go the Asia route. It was pretty cool, I bet. I bet. Uh, how and then when? What year did you get out?
1: I was officially discharged in November
0: '79. Okay, and then when you got out, what did you do next? What was the? Uh, what did? Where did you go?
1: So I was learning to become a branch manager, and then they shipped me off to Alaska to open up an office up there. Oh man! And then, for whatever reason, Household Finance Corporation disappeared went under whatever you want to call it which was really not that bad to tell you the truth because the next job that i had i got to go to all the native villages and put in all the powder plants and oh, i did okay. that for the next seven years you're a fishing guy
0: How was how the fishing up in alaska uh,
1: there is none better dude <laughs> I, I was in Yakutat <laughs> Bay two weeks ago, oh. and I landed a
0: 486-pound halibut. Come on! Oh my goodness! I'm very jealous right now. Yeah, <laughs> we, we finally went to um, Estacada Lake here in Oregon. Dead uh, this morning, actually. And we've been doing the Clackamas. We've been doing the Willamette. And I live in Westland, which is not far from the, you know the well, the Willamette Falls over here. And had nothing, 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 nothing. Went to the fishing dock over at Estacada and we caught seven trout this morning and it was so much fun. I, I can't wait to go back out. But I I really want to go back and do more salmon fishing. It's so much fun. Well,
1: I'll tell you what, I've got a friend who is a former sheriff and he's also a veteran. He runs a charter company on Detroit Lake. Oh, wow. uh, you come on down here. Give me an idea of when, and I'll get a hold of him, and we'll go spend a day out on the lake. How's that? Oh, it's a, it's a date. I love it, Gerald.
0: So you're in Alaska. You're you know you're going to these different villages. What 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 do you think helped you prepare for this journey that you were going into that eventually became PSC marketing?
1: Okay, so. um, my experience in Alaska, the reason I was so successful was partly because of my military experience, because I was the only white guy in all of these native villages. So I kind of stuck out like a sore thumb. So that required a little bit of intestinal fortitude that you could only get in the service. Makes sense. And I told one chieftain, he said, you got brass balls as big as cojones.
0: Yeah, you were in the Alaskan villages, and the, the chief said that you had uh, intestinal fortitude. Put it mildly. <laughs> uh, so after Alaska, where did you head next?
1: Well, after Alaska, I met a girl. Eventually, I sat happened right? And then I wound up with her in Belleville, Illinois because she was in the Air Force, and then we got married, and she turned out to be my first wife.
0: Oh, okay. And then, uh, did you move back to the mainland states, or did you stay in Alaska for a while?
1: Uh, We moved to Illinois, and then when she got out, we moved to Corvallis, Oregon.
0: Okay. And when when did you start the sort of the the precipice, or what was the sort of the the start of PSC marketing and why marketing? It didn't sound like you had much of a marketing background up until that point.
1: Well, you know, I didn't have much of a, I didn't have any formal training in marketing, but I believed in myself and I knew that marketing was nothing more than having a good relationship with customers. And that's something I do well. And that's how we got started yeah, with PSC. We were founded in 1994, and we've been going pretty much strong ever since.
0: Oh, wow. What was your first uh, what was your first customer, and how did you know how to find them? Well, they
1: actually found me uh, um, in a coffee shop. Uh, we were talking, he owned a towing company. And he said, "What can I do to improve my business? Because I've only had it for a couple months." I threw a couple ideas at him, and he today he's still a customer, and we're still doing the same things, and it's working for him.
0: So give me a give me some sort of um, understanding about the kind of services you offer and how you understand your your customer persona. Right when when everybody's building a business, they they talk about their customer persona, who they're going to sell to. How did you know what customer persona you were going to pursue?
1: Well, you know, one of the things that I developed over time was an artistic ability that came from my mother. And uh, one of the things that I wanted to do was to create some products that I could go to um, gift stores and sell it directly to them on a wholesale level and then move forward from that as well as doing, you know, the marketing and, and everything else. And so that's what I did. I redesigned Bigfoot and, uh, I took him and I recreated him on shirts, hats, t-shirts, coffee mugs, air fresheners, All kinds of things, and uh, the gift stores on the coast loved them. And now we're on the Oregon coast, the California coast, the Washington Peninsula, and the interior of Washington.
0: So I want to make sure I understand that. You redesigned Bigfoot. Yep. It's not that black, dark
1: silhouette.
0: This is
1: family-friendly, good guy, doing all kinds of weird things yeah you know That's like so, we okay. did one design that said it's not thunder, and it's actually Bigfoot Paul Bunyan and an alien
0: bowling in the mountains. <laughs> That's great. I love it. So talk a little bit about the services you provide to your clients when they come to you what is the typically that they're looking for, or do they know? a lot
1: of times they don't know and they really don't understand their business. And let me clarify that, uh, you know, everybody has, that has a business understands it to a certain degree, but in the retail side of it, there's a thing called the retail footprint, and that is an area that most business owners don't know. They think, well, let's just put it on the shelf and we'll sell it. Well, that'd be great if that worked 98% of the time, but a lot of times that retail footprint maybe only rolls once or twice a year. So that footprint's being wasted. So as I like to call it, let's get the dog out of there and get something in that spot that's going to make you money.
0: Yeah. And then what do they? How do they typically engage you? Are they? Is it a, a retainer or is it just project based? How how is that? How does that usually typically work?
1: Well, I don't do retainers. A lot of although a lot of my competitors like to do retainers. I personally think retainers are a waste of time and money, mm-hmm. um, because you don't really build relationships that way. When you're a people guy you tend to approach things from that point of view. I mean, I've been doing this since 94. My clients send me Christmas cards and birthday cards, and they call me up just to see how I'm doing. And, you know, and that is the power of the relationship. So to give you an example of what I've been doing during the COVID-19 outbreak is all my business clients got hit hard, had to close their stores down, mm-hmm. and a lot of them had outstanding invoices. So what I did as a company is I called all my clients that had outstanding invoices, and I said, don't worry about paying them. We'll take care of that after this is over. Yeah. Now, my competitors weren't doing that. Right. So who do you think they remember the most? Oh,
0: 100%. The guy
1: yeah. that worked with them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 I think it's, you know, we were going to talk a little bit later on, but I'm glad you brought it up. I think the the, the challenge right now is that this is a, this is sort of the wild west. Like, we don't know what's going to happen uh, once this pandemic is over. And, and certainly with everything else that's happening, it, there's going to be a new quote-unquote normal. And how businesses adapt and overcome and treat their customers, is is that's going to be the way they're able to grow and survive. So I'm glad you brought that up because I was really curious about that. Um, Why don't we take a quick break? Sounds good to me. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with Gerald Igot from PSC Marketing Group right after this. This hour of the Startup Radio Network is supported by Bridges to Change. They strive to have everyone leaving their organization with stable housing, social support, sustainable employment, education, access to health care, family engagement, and goals for the future. To get involved, donate, or to get help, make sure to visit www.bridgestochange.com. All right, and we're back. Thank you uh, for coming back, and we're here with Gerald Pygott from PSD Marketing Group out of Salem. Kaiser, Oregon, actually, not Salem. You're in Kaiser, right?
1: That is correct. We're in the north yeah. end of Kaiser.
0: That's right. Um, so, Gerald, I wanted to talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, it's been a while since you've been on the show. How much progress have you made on your business since you were last on, on our show?
1: Well, since um, I was on your show last, we have opened up territories in central Washington and northern California now. We're working on opening territories in Eastern Oregon, and we're continuing to move forward with that because part of what we do, our mission, is to take 5% of all of our sales and put it into a donor advisory fund for homeless veterans. I think we talked about that the last time.
0: Yeah, I think we did too.
1: Yeah, and that's an ongoing mission for PSC. We've been doing that for 30 years now, and I don't see any reason to change any of that. So we continue to move forward. We continue to grow. We continue to look for new opportunities, etc.
0: Yeah. Well, how has marketing changed for you in the past, say, five years uh, how does it look different for for the clients that you are inter- engaging with? How, how, is that, how has that changed?
1: Well, in the last five years, it's become extremely more competitive as the big box companies try to, I don't know, for lack of a better word, as I like to call it, stranglehold consumers and try to lock them in to... Um, The only way they can do this pricing is if they commit to this size of order for the course of the year. Which, if you think about what I said earlier, going back to that retail footprint, it's really not that feasible. So the consumer, my customers, particularly new customers, have to be re-educated on what the effect of these big companies are because they're not interested in the survivability of the mom and pop, let's say. Right. They're more concerned about, you know, paying commissions to their employees, moving product out the doors, you know. So that creates a lot of opportunities for a guy like me to step in and give them that personal touch, educate them about footprints or anything else that they ask me. Uh, One of the things they may ask me is how can I grow my business? And then I usually will have uh, some different ways that that can be done in different solutions um, that may be implied to their business. When, when you, how much
0: of, your conversations with your customer are splitting the, the conversation about the difference between marketing and sales. Cause I feel like there are a lot of customers, clients that mix the two frequently, Like right? I think that marketing will lead to sales and, and sales is, is just the way you message to your, your clients. How much of that do you, um, do you feel like you're, Um, you're having to explain that to your clients.
1: Well, you know, it's a very interesting question, Josh, because there's a very fine line between marketing and sales. Sales are the end result of the marketing effort. That's how we look at it. We use, we look at marketing as a methodology to educate, which then in turn leads to the sale. This is something my competitors don't do.
0: Interesting. And then how much of it is turned to digital marketing? How much of that do you do with your clients?
1: We do quite a bit digital marketing with our clients. Uh, one of the things we've done during this pandemic is we've created a brand new website, retail website, Um to reach out beyond our normal territory. And then we're in the process of building a wholesale website for our customers so that they can go and see our online catalog and then decide what products they want to order because it's more efficient for them. It's more cost-effective for me. And it's a win-win all the way around. And if you can't create a win-win, then there's no point in doing it
0: yeah Where do you see PSC marketing going after this pandemic is over like how what what kind of new services or new kinds of tactics do you think you're gonna have to take as we get through you know the crisis and the economic recovery and everything else that's been playing out in an overwhelming fashion right now
1: well, we've been doing this, using this time to develop new products for the company to take to our clients. Uh, we've been branding some items exclusively with other clients, so that when they're opening up, they can launch. And one of the things that we're we're jumping on board with right now is helping our clients find COVID-19 related causes to get involved with. For like with PSC, we take 5%, we give it to a donor advisory fund for veterans, homeless vets. So we have one client uh, in Washington, their methodology or what they've adopted is cleaning up the ocean since they're an ocean community. And it seems like that is really starting to grab hold on the grassroots. So every location is going to be different. And it's going to be unique to their particular challenges in their particular area. For example, Leavenworth, Washington, which we just have a couple of new clients, they've been hit hard by this pandemic. Uh, Because the town thrives on tourism, and they were basically shut down for almost three months. Some of them are just opening up now. And so that's kind of hard on cash flow, and it's kind of hard to move your business forward when you don't have money coming in to pay the mortgage or the lease or buy product. And a lot of these clients are sitting on product they ordered for spring break, which never happened. I have I have one client in Rockaway uh, sitting on eighty thousand dollars worth of inventory with payments coming due. So it's really important to take those things into consideration, help them get the message out and get clients in the door. So PSC has taken this time during this pandemic to research develop causes where does this cause fit the best who can benefit from it etc
0: yeah how how do you feel like you're going to be able to acquire new customers now that things have changed you know a marketing company doesn't necessarily have to have a brick and mortar footprint um but they still have to have a really viable plan of how they're going to acquire new customers. How, have, how has this pandemic changed that outreach plan?
1: Well, it, for us, it's had a significant impact that I don't think is over yet. Um, I know for a fact that we've already lost four customers. They've gone under. They've closed their businesses up for good because they just couldn't make it. So what that means is we're going to have to go into those areas again and acquire at least two new customers for every one we lost to offset the negative effect. But the caveat here is it's all going to depend on what the final fallout is. I mean, Kate Brown, crazy Kate as I like to call her, is calling a special session this on the 24th and there's a possibility that some businesses may be shut down again so what effect is that going to have on everybody's bottom line can a lot of us that own businesses survive another three months i seriously doubt it yeah but we'll see but yeah. you can rest assured that we're working on plans to compensate.
0: Yeah, it's been interesting watching Oregon traverse this, and, and uh, it's not a political discussion. It's really just, just seeing both the private and the public sector it in different ways. Um, I spend a lot of time around the startup community, especially around the Portland metro area, and the rallying around the I mean these I mean kits that it's amazing to watch. On the public side, at least on the city level and the county level, there's been quick movement. At the state level, not so much. And that's been I, I don't I don't know why that is, um, but it's just been really frustrating to watch. And it also means that if you're a founder or an entrepreneur or a store owner or a business owner just in general, you can't, you can't rely on hoping that the government's going to come and, and help you sustain your business. You have to find some other solutions and get really creative. And in some ways, maybe it means doing things outside of what your core business is. Do you think that's something that you're going to have to do? <laughs>
1: Well, we've already begun to do it uh, to the sense that uh, a little earlier we talked about digital marketing, and so we're advising all of our customers to set up, uh, you know, websites where they're offering curbside pickup and or delivery, just to... Give people that sense of safety, but yep. yet while trying to move the bottom line upward at the same time. And so, with our customers, what we're doing right now is we're helping them build websites at no cost. We're not charging anything for it because it's all the relational thing, too. Uh, so, what we're doing is we're tr- showcasing on websites the top selling items with the highest margin of return because you know a lot of these stores have dogs in them and those dogs aren't making them any money but they can't clear them out right now because people aren't going in the store so they got to find a way to move products and one of the best ways is your high valued high profit items on a
0: website yeah how much um with With all the companies and the clients that you interface with how how much is the services that you guys provide? how much has it moved the needle for them and how much more are they having to lean on you to to ensure that they're getting their message out, they're crafting the right message and targeting the right people? How much have they had to lean on you because it sounds like they're they're having to lean on you quite a bit right now,
1: yeah, I have several uh clients that are leaning on me pretty heavy and for me these are important clients that are because they spend an average of three to five thousand a month with me so it's very important for our company's bottom line to keep them somewhere profitable and uh but those companies They're holding on to about 65% of their normal revenues right now, just by paying attention to what they're doing. They have a question. They know they can call me at any time, uh, as long as it's not after midnight (laughs) and uh, bounce something off my head and see what I think of it. Sometimes, It may just be something as simple as a change in the storefront design in the window where we plaster the top selling items around a web address. So people driving by see it. So, you know, I'm fielding an awful lot of questions right now from an awful lot of clients. But like every business, we also have some clients that maybe only will do 2,000 in a year. So we're not going to put as much attention and focus into those clients as the ones that butter our bread. Sure.
0: That makes sense. That makes sense. We asked this uh, at, the, at the last uh, time you were on the show, but what's the the one thing that you, and, and maybe this is a different answer this time around, but what is the thing that you think that you have, and you screwed up pretty well, and you went back and you're just saying, I'm, I'm, I won't do that again because it maybe had a, a huge could have been detrimental to the business. Well, um, one of the
1: things here just recently was I made an assumption about uh, a certain product, and then I overshot my mouth and I couldn't back it up. <laughs> and uh, so that had pretty. Detral of effects, but with the client, I was able to straighten it out and, you know, eat crow. Okay, I ate a lot of crow, and uh, I was spitting feathers out my mouth. I ate so much crow, but because of the relationship, we kept the customer, and we moved forward, and now we just kind of laugh about it. So, the one thing I would say in regards to that, before you make recommendations on a product to a customer, make sure it's gonna do everything you say it's gonna do because it'll bite you in the backside if you don't.
0: Yeah, definitely. what um there are a lot of entrepreneurs uh, listening to this podcast. There's a lot of people that you know hopefully they want to create a business. What what's the one piece of advice you wish someone would have given to you before you went out on your entrepreneurial journey?
1: Well, one of the things that I wish I had been told was find your niche and fill it. I didn't understand that in the beginning. You know, I just thought I had this idea. I'll just do this, I'll take it to market, and I'll make a couple hundred thousand Nothing could be done farther from the truth, because when I created that product, it failed miserably. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it failed mostly because it did not understand the niche. And if I were to say anything else, I would say, don't be afraid. Because fear is a liar. Just mm-hmm. go for it. If you feel strong enough about it, and you can figure out what your niche is, do it. Because all you got is the opportunity for success. And sometimes it's better to fail and try again than to fail and just say, that's it, I'm done. Failure is quite a teacher sometimes too.
0: 100%. 100%, I agree with that. I, I, I love that. I, I really appreciate that, Gerald. Where, where can people find you online? Well, uh, right
1: now, we have two possibilities. They can go to the bigfootzone.com if they want to see the products that we have to offer. We've also put some things on the website there that pokes fun at the COVID-19 thing. Mm -hmm. For example, I got my Bigfoot walking through the woods with an N95 mask on, and it says the original social distancing champ. And then uh, if they want to get a hold of me directly, they can email me at Burly, B-U-R-L-Y 1 at gmail.com or they can call me at 503-510-9532. That should pretty much round it out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Gerald, it's uh, it's a a great privilege and uh, an honor to sit here and and chat with you. I really appreciate you coming back and I'm definitely going to give you a ring, and, and we'll uh, open up Detroit Lake one day. But, uh, but thank you again so much for being on the, on, the, uh, on the show.
1: You're more than welcome, Josh.
0: Yeah. So you've been listening to the Veteran Founder Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. Tune in every week, Friday at 1 p.m. on the West Coast. Listen, learn, get shit done. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch.